Welcome to the RAS Laugh, a podcast by RAS Extension. We're connecting growers with research, technology, and best practice. So welcome back to season two for our podcast. I'm Harriet, and you're also joined by Charlton. A little bit of a quick introduction about myself uh, for anyone who's listening, if it's their first time. I've been with RAS Extension the last sort of 18 months. Prior to that, I was an agronomist with a local cooperative. So as an extension officer, I look after both the um, MIA and the CIA. So I'm based down here in Denny and do the same role as Harriet does with RAS Extension and I cover the Murray Valley. And previously I was a commercial agronomist, but I also farm with my family. Before we kick off today's episode, Harriet, how did you pull out last night after the Grow of the Year Awards? Yeah, it was an excellent night. Really great to have all of the finalists for the Sunrise Grow of the Year Award and all of the uh, special mentions and highest yield finalists all in one room to celebrate uh, their achievements for the season. Really huge big congratulations to Peter and Erin Draper, the C20 Growers of the Year. And another big congratulations to Brett and Louise Turner. It's their second year running where they've achieved over 15 tonnes per hectare, which is an incredible achievement. Yeah, definitely achieving 15 tonnes a hectare is something to celebrate. And Brett and Louise do a really good job with their crops. They're very precise in how they do their management. So it's lovely to see them rewarded. And two years running, that's a massive achievement. We do encourage you guys to jump on our website, read up about them, and also watch the video about Peter and Erin to find out more information. Yes, stay tuned because Thursday, the 10th of December, we're going to have a field day out at their farm. So we'll have some more information about that um, coming up shortly. So kicking off for season two, we're going to have a real focus on lifting the yields of rice in the Riverina. So we're going to have a real focus on these key steps, which has been developed throughout the rice industry with consultation from growers, researchers and industry providers. We've mapped out some key steps for dual sowing, dry broadcast and aerial crops. So these key steps was born out of some industry feedback for the need for some simple and consistent, clear messaging. And that's all about making sure that everyone really is using the same language in talking about how to lift and achieve high yielding rice crops. Each episode of the podcast will really be fleshing out these key steps and and giving some context and information about why they're important and and how you can be achieving them. And we'll be doing this through chatting to growers and advisors about what they're doing and what they're seeing on farm. And hopefully it'll just give growers a timely reminder of where they should up that where they should be up to in the production of their crop for C21. If you guys tuned into our pre-season meetings this year, you'll know that we did chat a lot about these key steps. And if you're looking for more information, jump on the RAS Extension website under videos and you can catch up if you missed our pre-season meetings. And another area where we're going to really focus on delivering these key steps is in our grower groups. These are going to be rolled out in the coming weeks and we'll be holding a couple in each area. Yeah, so grower groups for the C21 season, we're hoping to have 10 or 12 people to collectively come together in a region. Our RAS Extension does have some money for this group to go towards its development. And the idea is that 
they'll be able to pick what they would like to do or achieve for the season. They'll meet, you know, when they'd like to, whether it be monthly or fortnightly, catch up, chat about who's done what with their rice growing, um, key management steps that they've achieved and just make sure that everyone is ticking along nicely and following up with those key checks that have been developed. So to begin today's episode, we're going to introduce the key checks for this season. Obviously, we've got two different lots of key checks, one for drill sowing and one for aerial dry broadcast. Harriet, do you want to kick us off with the first step for a drill sowing crop? So the first step is a, making sure that you have a consolidated seed bed on a good layout with no low spots to maximise emergence and allow timeliness of operations. So if you've got firm ground, you can make sure that you can get back on quickly for your three-way mix. And that's making sure that you can get your timing right for those herbicides before the rice emerges. Yeah, thanks, Harriet. So for an aerial or dry broadcast crop, the first key step is ensuring that you've got an even grade across your paddock with no high or low areas, because this is essential for weed and water management. And also just ensuring that you've done a ridge roll of your seed bed, which allows for better anchorage of the rice. So the other part of the key step for an aerial and dry broadcast crop is to pre-drill sort of greater, greater than seven centimetres into the soil, your phosphorus and zinc. And that means that that fertiliser will be there ready for the seed when it needs it early on. You also need to put sufficient nitrogen depending on your variety and paddock history and address that field variability pre-flood. When it comes to PI, you'll only be topping up. You really need to make sure that you're addressing that variability uh, at the start of the season. Pre-drilling your nitrogen is also the best way to get the most bang out of your buck. It's the most efficient method to apply your nitrogen. So they're the key steps for dry broadcast or aerial sowing. So moving on with today's episode, Harriet, do you want to give us a bit of an insight into your chat with uh, Phil Atkinson, who's up from Griffith? So I caught up with Phil just to talk about his paddock preparation to date and his plan going forward. So we talk about three different um, paddock scenarios that he's got going for um, preparation for his rice ground. He's got some sprayed out wheat, he's got rice on rice ground, and he's also got some fallow ground that he's going to put back into rice. And we also talk about his layouts and the advantages that those layouts offer. We wanted to pick a grower who's really on, on time because... Timeliness is sort of a, a key theme that goes throughout all of these key steps. It's not just making sure that you do the key step, it's making sure that you do it on time every time. And Phil offers a really good sort of insight into his thoughts and philosophies about timeliness. Well, I can't wait to get into today's episode. Here we go. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your farm? So we farm a thousand acres of rice here in the MIA just east of Griffith, myself and my dad. We do all the work ourselves from sowing to harvesting and chemical and fertiliser applications. We take an outside contractor for trucking, but the rest we do ourselves. We also have four hectares of glasshouse tomatoes we supply into the fresh market and to Trust tomatoes, mostly go to Woolworths in New South Wales. How much rice are you planning on growing for seed 21? It's around 190 hectares we're going to grow this year. Yep, and what sort of varieties? All Rizik. Uh, we are contemplating whether to grow some viand after some wheat, but that'll be a 
roll the dice on a, any given day. Just spray on this water paddock out and you're currently in the middle of mulching it. What's your plans for coming back in? We might oxidise it if that's possible. I don't know if we can burn it or not um, and grade aboard it. So if we can't burn it, we'll try the grade aboard without and s see what happens. But ultimately, if we could reduce a bit of the residue. If we'd grade aboarded it before it rained, we wouldn't even be, we may have just sowed it as it as it is. You've got some rice that's going to go back onto rice ground. Yep, so we're cultivating that now to dry it out. We've got a small cultivator that's only about the same width as a tractor. So just open it up, dry it out, and then that's been a couple of days and we'll probably go back into that today with the bigger cultivator and give it another rattle and then start with the grader board on that. On your freshly lasered paddocks, or yep. it's two years ago, what's the layout um, of those paddocks and why did you decide to choose that layout? The bankless channel, it's, uh, so it's a bankless channel with a, with a six inch step between bays and um, it's basically dead flat in the bay and um, the reason for that is for, for get water on and get water off quickly so the six inch step helps with that. If we ever went to row cropping in the future, it, it would lend itself to that. Um, and we basically size the bays for the size of the outlet. So we can get water on and water off in 12 hours. What was the paddock preparation like on that? Uh, we had wheat in that last year. So mm. basically it got cultivated and fallowed over the summer and um, and then it just got a polish. So it's um, probably had uh, one rice and one wheat crop since it was redeveloped. That's had a polish and that's been sitting with basically just chemical fallowed that since it got uh, polished and um, so it's basically pretty good conditions ready to go. We've grade aborted it and it's just been chemical fallowed since then. It's as good as good as we could hope to have it for ready for sowing. When are you planning on We'll sowing? probably go early early October, for probably in the first week. Be looking to sow that and, and water it and, or watch the weather and see maybe if we get a get a break. But um, that'll um, we started first week of October last year and it um, went pretty well, so we'll probably do that again. And what sort of sowing rates do you are you gonna go this year? We're probably looking at about one fifty of seed and um, anywhere between 150 and 180 a starter, depending on, um, on on the poorer areas. So basically a blanket rate, 150 across, and then anywhere that's a bit poorer, we're going for a, a granulock, granam mix to give us a bit more nitrogen for um, try and carry it between flushes before we go for the, the big head of urea and um, permanent water. Yeah, okay. We've had reasonably good success in that earlier earlier window. Last year we averaged just under 14 tonnes a hectare so we were pretty happy with that. It was a kind of year so whether we can replicate that again in a different season with a different and get a, get, get a similar outcome I'm not sure but I um, we also finished we managed to beat the rain so that was a good thing we did that this year and last year both the last two seasons so I we saw a lot of people this year get hunting forward. for tracks in the middle of harvest which was concerning so we um, wouldn't like to be there. But Last year was your first year drill sowing? Yes it was. How did you go getting the 
the timings and getting back onto your paddock? We did pretty well. We hit the windows and where we are located, we've got a lot of horticulture around us. So getting the right window and getting the right wind and it, we seem to, it seemed to work out pretty well for, for those crops. In terms of trafficability, like getting back on the... Excellent. We didn't have any problems, even in our... We've got the 60 hectares down the down further, which is was freshly lasered last year, and um, that was all topsoil, so there was a fair bit of undercutting going on in the, in the bottom bays. We had no issue with any of that, so... Yep, And the upsides of drill sowing was we had zero duck pressure in a year that you would have expected to be inundated with ducks due to the, the low number of the, the, the small area of crop. We didn't have hardly any problem at all. What's your thoughts on the importance of paddock prep and timeliness? I always go on the theory of if you have your ground ready, you can, you can take take advantage of opportunities as they come along. So if your ground's ready and you can see a rain event coming, you can jump out and put seed in the ground and you're in the box seat. If your ground's not ready, if the sheep are still on there and you haven't turned the pasture in or whatever it is you're gonna do and the rain's coming, you can't magic that up in, in a couple of days. So we try and we try and have have ground ready to go all the time. If it's if it's not actively in crop, we try to have it in in a condition that it could be quickly converted. So this ground here, for instance, all our fallow ground was all ready to go. We just hopped in the tractor with the put a, the, the drill the disc seeder was already on, fill up with seed, fill up with fertilizer and go planting. So we we made the decision to to plant all our fallow ground that this last winter and within a couple of days that was all done. I think the biggest thing I've taken out of the chat with Phil today, Harriet, would be just how prepared he was and how on time Phil is with getting ready. So prior to a rice crop, you know, he's already done, he's done his fellow spray, he's done his banks, he's got his machinery organised and he's got a plan ahead of time about when he wants to sow, what variety he wants to sow and how he wants to manage the paddock. So I think that's a really big key take home message for me is just how well and thought out this plan is of Phil's for growing rice. The other key take home that I really got out of Phil was just how he spoke about his new layouts and the advantages that they offered. So the fact that his paddocks have got good step and good water flow, which means he can get his water on and off really quickly, sort of within that 12 hour mark. And I, I think that that comes back down to the timeliness of, of making sure he can get back on the paddock and, and get his, all his operations done on time really liked how he was being focused on being prepared early. That was really shown when he spoke about how it was his first year drill sowing last year, but how he sort of timing spot on. And I, I think that's just because he was organised and prepared ahead of the game. So I think when he spoke about how good his yields were, what really that was the result of being prepared and, and being organised and having no hassles doing drill sowing for the first time. Thanks, Harriet, for that chat with Phil today. I've really learned a lot with those key take-home messages and I definitely will be advocating them to growers when we stay out our grower groups. So next week, I'll be catching up with Mark Grote from Grower Services and we're going to chat about uh, the key checks, number two and three. So there'll be a real focus on 
planning within the sewing window for your variety region and the method of sewing that you're using. And also just making sure that growers are only sewing that 100 to 150 kilos of seed because we're really trying to achieve 100 to 200 plants per square meter. So that'll be the focus for next week's episode. And I'm really looking forward to chatting with Mark to see how growers services are looking ahead of this season. And everyone listening in, thanks so much for joining us today. And all of the resources that we touched on today's episodes can be found in our show notes or on our website. We'd really love to hear from you. So please tag us on social media, in Facebook or Twitter and use hashtag RASC21. Please rate, review and subscribe, which helps share our podcast with the wider industry. Until next time, have a RASC day.